0: Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're hear in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not
1: uh, as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together.
0: I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so
1: many more doors. The show
0: is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify.
1: Another day is here, and you're
0: ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? that's where bank of america can help for your financial to do's bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app find a location near you at bank talk to us what would you like the power to do mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices message and data rates may apply bank of america and a member fdse
1: this is the gm shuffle analytics are saying less right Belichick has the great line. If you tell me the play the guy's going to get hurt on, I'll pull him out. You can't predict it, right? You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and V-CIN. is Femi Abebefe.
0: Welcome to another edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and v I'm your host, Femi Abebefe. Michael, we're past Memorial Day week, and now we are fully entrenched into the NFL offseason
1: can't wait fam i mean here we are the month of june we would have got 99 days or 98 days now until the start of the season till we get our first playoff game so that's (laughs) exciting to get through and you know we got the training we got a lot of mini camps coming up so we'll get a chance to evaluate mini camps are mandatory for all the players Mm -hmm. so everybody will come back and you know it's a good way before we go on summer break
0: yeah, no, as always, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review to the podcast wherever you get your podcast, And also, leave a review, please, because we want to hear from you guys. We love hearing from you guys all your quotes and uh, and questions you might have here. So, always leave a review for us. Tweet at us as well, at MLombardiNFL is where you can find Michael. At Femi Bebefe is where you can find me, Stephen Bond, with us as always, producing things behind the scenes on the ones and twos. But, Michael, before we get into all the football, I'm not sure if you saw this last night. The match the golf tournament going on here in Las Vegas. It wasn't really a golf tournament. It was more so a golf match like the title says, but Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers teamed up against Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, and it was the Brady-Rogers duo that ended up winning this thing. It was 12 holes played over at the win. Rodgers makes a 10-foot birdie to seal the deal. Did you catch any of this, Michael, last night? I didn't. I did not watch any of this. I, I,
1: I missed it. I did not turn it on. Uh, I I regret not doing it I I didn't get a chance to see it but how was the how was Josh Allen's swing that's what I would like
0: to know you know, Josh Allen didn't have a great uh, outing, one could say. He was actually joking during the broadcast. He was like, wow, Patrick, you're carrying me with this because Mahomes was playing rather well. He's not the best with the putter, but he made a couple putts there. I think he might have gotten hot, but he can really hit the ball. Both of those guys, Allen and Mahomes, they can all smash right. the ball down the down the fairway or maybe not down the fairway. They're spraying it all over the course there, but they're able to find uh, uh, s- some, some good length and at least a little, look a little bit respectable with their golf game somewhat. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and now they all go back. I think now the the Bucks have their OTA days, and so does the Bills and 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 the Chiefs and and uh, you know and, and and the Packers. So we'll get to see. I, I think as Rodgers has been in and out of their camp, so be interesting to see. I think this week is the end of. This week is kind of the end of OTAs, and then next week mm-hmm. most teams have their mini camps Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then usually you know most teams will. You know, after the minicamp, we'll ride off into the sunset.
0: You know what's interesting? Because I was watching it last night, and I was like, wow, Aaron Rodgers, one thing, is really good with the putter. And Trevor Immelman, who was on the broadcast, was plotting Aaron Rodgers but saying, wow, like this guy can really putt. He reads the greens really well. He was almost serving as Tom Brady's caddy when Brady was on the green there. Just kind of reading the greens for him, telling him where to put the thing where, the, where his line was. Um, Brady, your guy, though, not so good at the golf which I thought was fascinating that he would even do this. He's done this match multiple times now. I think this is his third time doing it. The fact that he does this when he's not very good, and Charles Barkley brought it up during the podcast, of saying how much courage it takes for these guys to go out on national television and play a sport that they clearly don't spend much time on in front of everybody. I mean, that just goes to show you how much they love to compete.
1: You know, and it's funny, too, because, you know, Tom is... Tom is was drafted by the Expos in baseball. You know, in fact, he even tweeted out when he was he was a left handed hitting catcher. Uh, And so, you know, I mean, I think to me, usually that kind of the eye hand coordination ties over. I know this when, you know, one of the things we always would do in scouting was to always evaluate the quarterback on what he did Outside of playing the position, like he's got to be the best athlete, he has got to have the best eye-hand coordination. So usually that means that when you're watching a kid in in high school, you know he's the holder on the kickoff, holder on the extra point team, or mm-hmm. he's the, you know point guard in basketball and he shoots really well, or he plays baseball and has a high average. And Brady obviously did some of those things. So I'm just it's kind of surprising how it hasn't translated into the golf arena. But you're right it takes a lot of it takes a lot of guts to go out there and spray the ball and then have to get back. I mean Barkley would know, right?
0: Yeah, and he was making fun of those guys all throughout the broadcast. One thing that stood out to me was I was almost thinking I was like is Mahomes psychologically at least a wolf in sheep's clothing? Because he's all buddy-buddy with Josh Allen, who's probably going to be his main rival over the next decade or so in the AFC, and it's like, oh, hey, Josh, keep it up, Josh, you're doing well, and he has the kind of charming, happy-go-lucky smile and all that stuff, but... Down, down underneath there, I feel like Mahomes is an ultra competitor and it almost is reminiscent to Michael Jordan buddying up with all the rivals that he has in the Eastern Conference and stuff and just being friends with Stockton Malone, being friends with Patrick Ewing and all these guys who are on the dream team. But then when it t- comes time to playing on the court, he would always be a killer. Is Mahomes almost similar in that wolf in sheep's clothing to where he's looking to almost get inside these guys' head and befriend them off the field?
1: Are you calling him Ricky Fowler? I mean, are you, you think he's Ricky Fowler here? He wants to greet, huh? I mean... I never thought about that. You know, I was reading the article in SI. It's a great article if anybody wants to learn about the great Pat Riley, uh, where Riley still doesn't want to talk to Jordan, doesn't mm-hmm. want to have any, like he's like divorced himself from anybody who's beaten him in his career. Like that fire that burns inside of him just roars. And so I do think Mahomes is too ultra competitive. I think he's playing nice. You know, I yep. think you're right. A wolf's in sheep's clothing. I think he's playing nice. He's good in the sandbox, but he's got to want to come out and say, look, there's no way this is between you and i bro and this we are the new brady and peyton that are going to take over this league for the next 10 years and i'm going to be the brady
0: yeah and, and aaron Rodgers was talking a little bit of trash to him then mahomes sinks the putt to match them and he's like of course i'm going to make that so you could there was a little bit of glimpse there you could tell of how competitive he actually is because he was not taking anything from the uh, the elder statesman and brady and rogers though but i w- i didn't think that it was a really good endorsement for Josh Allen for him to be paired with all these guys because Brady is the best of all time. Aaron Rodgers is the four-time MVP, Super Bowl champion. Mahomes is a Super Bowl champion, former MVP. Josh Allen has done neither of those things. And here he is thought of as these guys. He's he's almost been invited to the adults table before he's accomplished those things. And the Bills, high expectations this year and high expectations for Josh Allen. So I was like, okay, like yeah. this is almost like the national. Everyone's like behind this Josh Allen thing of he's that next guy in the NFL.
1: Well, I mean, the 13 seconds, you know, the fatal 13 seconds, it's going to be forever. Rosemary Woods gap in the 22-minute Watergate thing and the 13 seconds by <laughs> you know, by Sean McDermott is going to haunt this kid. I mean, look, I, I said this. I was wrong on his accuracy, but what I, what I was, you know, his athleticism and what they did with this kid at the end of the year after the win game against New England where they started to run him more mm-hmm. and had him involved in the running game, and, and he's dynamic in that. You know, he's dynamic, and they can't lose sight of that because he's so goddamn big. I mean, he's six five. He's hard to get on the ground, you know, and, and it's impossible. So, you know, I, I, look, I think it's a bright future for them because he's got the skill set, and they've got a good enough team that he can make this work. And as long as he stays healthy, you know, I would be surprised if, if he didn't really, you know, really just take it over. And, and you know, what's funny, too, is – is when you look at it, like he had 122 rushes last year. J- uh, Jalen Hurts had 139, you know, and he, aver- and he got 736 yards. He averaged 6-3. Now, the difference is he rushed for six touchdowns, right? Jalen Hurts rushed for 10 and threw for 16. Josh rushed for six and threw for 36.
0: Yeah, a little bit different there. So Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, all those guys will be going back to the OTAs minicamps coming up here later on next week. But another guy who returned to OTAs this week, Michael, our buddy, guess who's back, back again? Kyler Murray is back at OTAs here for the Arizona Cardinals. And I want to ask you this. Is this a sign of negotiating in good faith from Kyler Murray and his agent for him returning now to Cardinals OTAs after missing out on the first week?
1: I mean, I think it probably is. I think he's trying to play nice. You know, he's they, they made the trade for Hollywood Brown. And so he returns to the, the land of Oz. I mean, can't you see them all circled around at practice, huh? They put, you know, the certificate of the death, right? You know, they read it, you know, and so they all kind of follow the yellow brick road. I mean, why not follow the yellow brick road? That's going to lead you to the money. I mean, the Cardinals have made no ill attempt to say they're not paying them. I mean, they're playing nice too. So this yellow brick road does lead to Oz and a lot of money for for the for the mayor.
0: Yeah, the mayor has returned back in Glendale, Arizona, or wherever their team facility is. That might lollipop
1: be. land? Should we yeah. call that lollipop, <laughs> lollipop land? Is that where? Can't you see them all on that circle? Well, you know what? When, you know, you know, I'm so old, but when they, when they, you know, I used to watch that show in black and white, when they, when they colorized that, it was like a whole new world. I mean, you were, you are young enough to only remember it in color, but I could see the mayor right there leading everybody down the yellow brick road.
0: Oh, They're back in color in Arizona as Kyler Murray has returned behind center for a Cardinals OTAs. What message do you think this actually sends to his teammates? Because last week he wasn't there and it's clearly it was probably contract related. Now, maybe he was doing other things. Maybe he was finishing up a vacation or whatever. But now that he's actually there and OTAs are underway, he's being a part of this offseason program without having the contract. What kind of message does that send to his teammates?
1: I think it's, you know, look, I think he's got a bond with his teammates. One of the criticisms I have, and look, I call him the mayor, but he is multi-talented. There's no denying that. He's just short and he has trouble seeing at times. And that's mm-hmm. why I call him uh, the mayor of Munchkinland. But the reality is he's got talent. He's got a powerful gun for an arm. He can make all the throws and he's really dynamic when he's out on his, uh, when he's out away from the the pocket and he can move around and get into that roadrunner beat beat mode. But, I think what he's got to do is endear himself. I think if I were Cliff Kingsbury, I would be having a conversation with him all the time about, hey, look, you know, you alone aren't going to get us there. We can get there. You're going to have to rely on your teammates. You're going to have to rely on them to really help us. And you got to build a, a camaraderie with them. And that's going to be critical. And if we don't do that, if we don't work together, in that area, then I think it's going to be, and it starts right now. It starts with mm-hmm. the OTA days. It starts with endearing yourself. It can't be phony. It's got to be real, but you got to do it. And I think it's a good step for them. Look, I don't know how good Arizona's going to be. I don't know what Kyler's going to be like in the second half of the season, but it's a start, and I think it's important that they do it.
0: Yeah, and this Cardinals team has really started fast under Cliff Kingsbury and with Kyler Murray. It's been the second half of the year to where they've fallen off. And we saw that last year after they started 7-0 and then ending against the L.A. Rams. Speaking of those L.A. Rams, it's another interesting storyline, Michael, that's bubbling in the NFC West. And it's Aaron Donald, the defensive tackle, the all-world defensive tackle. Aaron Donald, for my money, probably the pound-for-pound best player in football. And he wants a new contract. They're coming off the Super Bowl championship and there's been the rumblings and the whispers of Aaron Donald being willing to walk away and actually retire. Do you think that's even a possibility that Aaron Donald could be done playing football if he doesn't get the desired contract that he is after?
1: Well, I I do. I mean, look, I, I finished this book two weeks ago, and I will say this. I wrote the top 100 players in the National Football League. Some are currently still playing, and Aaron Donald's in that top 100. I'll just say, that. I don't tell you where he ranked him, but he's in the top 100. And he deserves to be in the top 100. And because of the way he can take over a game and the way he can put pressure from the inside. And what I love about his game more than anything is his relentlessness, his ability to play down after down hard. His conditioning is, to me, where I think it's it just sets itself apart. I mean, the guy had 25 quarterback hits last year. We never talk enough about that. That's ultimately where turnovers come from. I can remember being on the team bus in San Francisco. We were playing Houston, one of the great games of all time. We played the, the Oilers down in the Astrodome. And uh, we were really riding high. We had just lost to Pittsburgh because Alan Kennedy lined up in the backfield on the second field goal. On a first field goal attempt, we would have tied the game 17-17. Mm-hmm. Uh, no overtime. We probably would have ended the year undefeated like the Bears. But... We Alan Kennedy lined up a little bit off backwards, so we had to kick it again five yards back. Worthing made the kick. Pittsburgh won seventeen fourteen. Next week we go to Pittsburgh. Next week we go to Houston, and it's Glanville's blitz, and it's a hell of a game. I mean, it's going back and forth. But on the team bus going there, we had just re-signed Fred Dean. And Ray Rhodes, the, the the secondary coach, and I were sitting in the, in, in the bus, and he's like, "You know, you know, Lumbo, Lumbo the, 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 Now we're going to get some turnovers. Now we're going to get some turnovers." And I'm like, "What do you mean?" He said, "Because now we got a guy that that can hit pressure the quarterback without sacking him. Sacks are, are get all the spotlight, but those quarterback pressures, those hits, those are the ones that create the turnovers. And Donald's a turnover creating machine. I mean, it's just remarkable. You only get 12 and a half sacks. More important than the sacks are the 25 quarterback hits." You know, he's hitting the quarterback and he's tackles for loss at 19. So to me, he's so disruptive. We have now gone back, Femi, to the era of football where it was in the 70s, Joe Green, Merlin Olsen in the 60s, where they had Alan Page, where there's some great, great defensive tackles. And this kid's as good as any of them.
0: Yeah, and, and it showed in the playoffs too when it mattered most. I mean, the NFC Championship game, he has the pressure on Jimmy Garoppolo, forcing him to throw the interception that sealed it for the Rams. And then, and also in the Super Bowl, that was the fourth down pressure on Joe Burrow, which sealed the Super Bowl championship for the LA Rams. So, in my opinion, he's worth every single penny that they could possibly pay him. Um, what they'll pay him, we'll find that out later on. I don't think oh, they're, they're going to pay him like yeah, they're oh, going
1: to have to. I mean, because you know, it's a little bit like you know, who's going to challenge that that somebody's better than him. I mean, relentlessness, conditioning, leadership, all those things yeah. the kid has, you know, and you can say, well, he's not real big, he's not real tall. Does it matter? Huh. You know, does it matter?
0: Yeah, also ask any offensive lineman who was the worst guy to try to block. It was the short guy who had the natural leverage. That was every offensive lineman will no tell doubt. you that. And that's what Aaron Donald has there. And he is one of the all-time greats, a multiple-time defensive player of the year. Let's take a quick break, though, here, Michael. On the other side, we'll discuss the NFC South at the top of the division, talking Bucks and the Saints. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-N-Y or text HOPE-N-Y-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire when 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, Michael, the NFC South, it's not the best division in football, but I do mm-hmm. think it is interesting. Over at our show, sponsor DraftKings, the Bucks are the favorites, minus 300 to repeat as the champs. The Saints, plus 350. Panthers, 12 to 1. Falcons, 25 to 1. But those teams, I don't think we need to get into them as it pertains to winning a division. So let's, Focus on the Bucks and the Saints, starting with Tampa. This week, they made the signing of Akeem Hicks at defensive tackle. I love it. I love the big guys on the interior, pairing them up with my guy Vita Vea out of Washington. That'll be a fun duo there in the interior. But this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team, just based on where they're at in the offseason, Brady, of course, returning as the headlining piece of their offseason. Are you sold on this Bucks team being as good as they were a couple years ago? Or do you think that they still have a little bit of work to do to reach that Super Bowl level?
1: I, I think they've had a good offseason. I mean, you know, they've lost some key pieces, but they replaced them. Shaq Mason comes in, you know, replaces Alex Kappa. You, you know, they've lost another guard. They bring Steny in from Arizona. You know, you know, so I, I think they've done a really good job of replacing the pieces, uh, trying to add to it. They drafted Rashard White in the third round to replace uh, the kid who left, I think, the, the, the kid who left the running back who left to go to, to Kansas City. So, I mean, I think they've done a nice job of replacing pieces. I love the Hicks on it. Look, I'm a huge Akeem mm-hmm. Hicks fan. You know, when I was at the Patriots, we practiced against the Saints in, in, down in West Virginia, and he just – we had a hard time blocking him. And then we traded for him, and it was a great trade for us. And that defensive front we had when we were in 16, that was one of the best defensive fronts I think New England's had in a while with, with Hicks and, and, and Allen Branch and Ninkovich and Chandler Jones coming off the edges. I, I think it was really good. So, to me, you know, I, I think if he can stay healthy – He's hard to block one on one, and Vita Vey's hard to block. You got you better be good at guard if you're going to block these two cats. The other thing that it gives you advantage is the fact that you know they you know with this offense, if Gobwin's healthy, and I think Gobwin's the key for Brady. If he's healthy, you know they're going to be good. Ronald Jones is the kid I was thinking about. You know the running back. I mean, so like if if he's healthy and Bernard can replace that nickel rack like he did last year with Fournette, I mean they should be just as good.
0: Yeah, no, yeah, this Bucks team to me, it's they're the class of the NFC in my opinion now. They're a little older and teams that tend to be older sometimes get banged up. And I thought that was where they really benefited the year they won the Super Bowl was that they were the healthiest team by the end of the season more than their competition. they the Chiefs were banged up in that Super Bowl, especially on the offensive line. Last year, the Bucs got the injury bug towards the end of the season. I mean, you mentioned the yeah. Godwin injury, the offensive line Werfs was out and trying to battle and play in those playoff games, but he clearly was like 40% trying to play on a busted ankle here with Godwin. Now we'll see what his return situation is like. The rehab is appears to be going okay, but likely not going to be ready for the start of the season here. It's Mike Evans. It's going to be Russell Gage. Does Brady have enough weapons? I mean, Rob Gronkowski, that's got to be coming down at some point later this offseason, yeah. one would think. Is that kind of where you uh, line up with this year as well?
1: I think I, I think Godwin's the key. He's got to come back. I mean, Brady trusts him. Now, Will some of these younger players that he's going through OTA days with Willie. But look, this schedule to start out the season is is tough. They start two road games right away. They don't play in Tampa until week three of the season when they welcome the Packers. You know, and then they have the Chiefs. I mean, you know, they go Dallas, New Orleans, in New Orleans hard. New Orleans beat them twice last year. For all the conversation we have about New Orleans, they beat them twice. Convincingly beat them twice. I mean, you know, the game in New Orleans was close. They shut them out the second game down in Tampa, and, and, and they weren't even healthy, 9 nothing. So it's a hard start, but I think it eases off in the second half. They have the bye in Week 11, then they come back, and they've got Cleveland, New Orleans at home. They've got to go out to San Francisco and Arizona. They still play Cincy, but they end up the year with Carolina and Atlanta. So, I mean, whatever they lose in the beginning of the year for the first 10 weeks, I think they can make it up. But it is a hard schedule, and it's going to require health and durability from their team. And, and it's going to require Brady to continue to, to shock us all that he can still play at this level at his age. I mean, at some point, you know, father time does show up. It didn't look like it last year, though.
0: Where are you at with their secondary? Because that seemed to be the weakest link of this team last year. Now, Jamel Dean, Carlton Davis, those guys were banged up all last season. Winfield's back. They lose um, uh, Whitehead to the Jets, but they bring in Logan Ryan there. Where are you at with this secondary, and can they be better here in 2022?
1: When you're as dominant as they were against the run, and they were the best team stopping the run in the NFL in terms of teams trying to run the ball against them, they had the least amount of rushing attempts that any team has had in the National Football League. They ranked first in that character the, in, in that category. They were third in rushing in rushing yards allowed. Okay, so that's really good. So what happens is because teams go in there and say we can't block Vito, we can't block this Sue, we can't block you know we're going to have to throw, we're going to make a lot of. So what what does that translates to? That translates to they are a team that is always facing passing games they were 32nd the last, they were the the team attempted the the most passes against the bucks in any team in the league kind of goes hand in hand right you can't run it we got to throw it hmm. so they 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 were they, they had a suit they said they had to deal with all that and so they gave up a lot of yards and i think with Bowles, it, it's going to be critical for him to get pressure the key to their success it, it really is really football's a simple game if you get the lead in the first half it's going to help your defense in the second half. And I, and I think ultimately that's what will happen. You know, Brady will will manifest itself. The West Coast, I've said this before. The West Coast offense is not smash 7 curl. It's not 20 bingo cross. It is a philosophy that's built on we are going to throw the ball in the first half to get the lead and we're going to have a pass rushing unit to keep the lead. And that's what the Bucs have. And so and because you can't run it on them, you become one dimensional. And then all of a sudden, they create turnovers. They're fifth in the league in creating turnovers last year on defense. So, you know, it goes a long way, and they keep you out of the end zone. You know, they were really good. They're fifth in the league in total, and, you know, and they were tenth in red zone defense. So, I mean, they they match all the criteria that a good defense has if they get that lead.
0: Yeah, I think that red zone defense is directly correlated with how well they defend the run because it's hard to score points in the yep. red zone, and score touchdowns if you can't run the football and all you can do right. is throw it into there where the windows are so small because the defense only has to defend about 15 yards or so.
1: Yeah, you know, and and really when you look at it, they were fifth in touchdowns rushing allowed. That's where they were one of the best teams in that. You can't run it in on them. Yeah. So you're basically saying where it's a wasted play running the ball down in the red zone. You know, you say, oh, that's not, it kind of is. It's a waste. You get you, have, you have first and go with the five, right? You got three plays before you got to kick the field goal. Unless you're Brendan Staley, you'll, kick, you'll go for it on fourth down. <laughs> but, that, you know, that's beside the point. But the reality of it is, is you got three plays. What are those three plays? And you know you're wasting a play if you run it. Like you're not going to be able to out, you know, running the football in the NFL is about a, being able to gain a half man advantage. That's all. Just a half a man. You know, they're in an eight-man front. we got to figure out a way to get seven and, and get that half-man blocked, and all of a sudden we can run it. But the Bucks take that away with their ability because of their power inside. Sue and Vita Vey, now they've got Hicks, who's a little bit like Sue. He's very strong at the point of attack. Hard to do. And so you throw it, and that's where the turnovers create.
0: It's interesting. Looking back at last year's Tampa Bay Buccaneers schedule, They lost to the Saints twice, and then they lost to the L.A. Rams twice. Outside of that, the only team they lost to last year was the Washington then-football team, now Commanders. The Saints are the thorn in Tampa's side, and they have been since Tom Brady joined in 2020. They've yet to beat New Orleans in the regular season. Now, they won the most important game, that playoff game, which then vaulted them to the NFC title game then ultimately to a Super Bowl championship. But the Saints squad, they're very talented and we've talked about them in the past. I think about this team, despite the loss of Sean Payton, I think they're still going to make the playoffs because they're just too talented to fail. Am I am I going down the right path here? I, I think you said it perfectly. Look, and I think Dennis
1: Allen has done a good job of disguising things for Brady and making it hard on Brady. He really has. He's made it hard on Brady, and you know, and so because they can't kind of get that early lead, you know, for a team to shut out a, a really good offense like they did. It's pretty impressive. And so, yeah, I, I like the Saints. I think the Saints on an overnumber is a good play. Look, I'm not in love with Winston, mm-hmm. you know, but I do think with with their the way they play defense, their offensive line will be improved. I don't know how long Kamara's going to get suspended for, but with Thomas back and, you know, with with Olivier, the, ro- the receiver, to go along with what they – I mean, right now, when you look at their roster – you, you, you know they one of their best players last year. One of their best players last year was that was the, uh, the 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 uh, Callaway kid, right? Mm-hmm. And now Callaway's the fourth receiver. You got Landry going to be the third receiver. Callaway's the fourth. Callaway had a really good year last year, and so now their receiving core better. The offensive line, I think, with Penning the rookie they drafted out of Northern Iowa, I think he'll be able to hopefully play seventeen games, and they won't have to deal with the Armstead injury going back and forth. And all I've heard about now, we'll be interested to see, is this Lucas Cruel kid that they talked about, uh, this t- this tight end that they signed that was a basketball player at Pitt, and he had a good year. You know, he's six six, and they feel like he could really come around. So, I-, I like the Saints team if they get some production out of the tight end, if they get a young tight end to come through for them with
0: their defense and Dennis Allen scheme. It's hard to play. The Kamara thing has been awfully quiet this offseason ever since he had that little skirmish or what you might want to call it during the Pro Bowl week here in Las Vegas. If he is suspended to start the season, maybe two, four games or however many games the league decides to suspend him, what kind of impact does that make on this Saints offense to have no Alvin Kamara, who's been one of the most uh, do-everything type of running backs that we've seen in the NFL?
1: 9.3 yards a catch. I mean that that to me says it all right there. Whenever you can get a running back to average over 9 yards a catch, that, that he's a weapon. He's moved from being a running back to being a weapon. And that's what he is. You know, your boy your boy Zeke, he's at 6-6. <laughs> they can't make him a weapon. So it's okay he's getting the ball in the run game. When you got a guy like Kamara that can get to 93, Eckler gets to 92. Last Jonathan Williams is at 90. You get that going for you, it's hard. And so everything's centered. Because why? It's an easier throw. When you look at targets, you must always look at receptions and targets. How many throws does it take to get the ball completed to this guy? And running backs, that margin shrinks because a lot of them are shorter throws. And because they're shorter throws, you can yards after the catch. I think it's a hard guy. He's a hard guy to replace. Dwayne Washington, who they, who's they, who been there, I don't think he can. No, they can't replace Kamar. Now, Ingram could give him some help in the running game, not in the passing game.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, Ingram, uh, he's he's not really the the – do-everything type of running back that Alvin Kamara is. Kamara is an elite football player, and if they have to lose him for a couple games or four games, it's going to be tough to keep the ship afloat, but if they can, they'll be set up really, really well the rest of the season. Defensively, though, they added a couple safeties. Marcus May from the Jets, Tyron Matthew from the Kansas City Chiefs, and the Chiefs letting Matthew go. He was sort of the captain of the back seven of that defense in Kansas City. What do you think he can do here in New Orleans, and can he still play at that elite level?
1: You know he replaces Malcolm Jenkins, and Malcolm Jenkins got him lined up. Malcolm Jenkins got him organized, and Malcolm Jenkins allowed the scheme to go from the blackboard to the field, which is critical. and And that's what your free safety has to do. You know, your strong safety or free safety, who's ever making the checks, and Mathal did it really well in Kansas City. It's one of the reasons they got better on defense in the second half of the Washington game, which was in week six of the season. Mm-hmm. I, I think he's going to be a huge help for him. Look, the pressure is going to be on the corners. Gardner, Johnson, Adobe, the kid from Stanford. They drafted a kid, Taylor, in the second round. PJ Williams is actually still on the team. You know, Bradley Roby's still on the team that they brought back from Houston, who they signed. So, you know, I mean, it's going to come down to their pass rush and their scheme. And, you know, the guy that I think is really more important than anybody is Davenport. They gave up a first-round pick to get Davenport. He's got to come through and really do a good job of rushing the passer to go along with their defensive front. I, I like their defense. I really do. I like Demario Davis as, as, as a coverage guy. I thought the Werner kid played well for him last year. So, look, there's a lot to like about their defense.
0: It's a really deep defensive team here for the Saints. And in my opinion, I think that this team – like we've talked about how they're too talented to fail like it's just it really resides with Jameis Winston as long as he doesn't turn the football over I think the Saints team can be really really good and yeah. make the playoffs because it's an NFC that after the top three teams or so nobody's really that good that you can trust and this team is really talented and if they protect the football they can be there with a 9 10 win caliber season even though Sean Payton is gone out there in New Orleans, you
1: know. But I would say this, Femi, before we go to break here. I would mm. say this though. You know, the Saints are a little bit like a baseball team that has a really good lineup, and they've got middle relievers and all that. Do they have a closer? Do they have a closer? Last year, the kicking situation was really challenging. They missed five kicks last year. You know, they missed seven extra points last year. And when you're a nine and eight team, those five, those fifteen points that you missed on field goals. And those seven extra points, that's 22 points you gave away somewhere. Now, you're not going to make every kick, right? Mm -hmm. You're not going to make every kick. But, you know, when they brought Aldrick Rose in, Rojas, and he was one for four, you know? And and they missed it, you know? And and so now this year, Will Lutz comes back. That, to me, is going to be the key. When you have such a slight margin of error... You know those kicks become. I mean, we saw it, we saw it with the Spangles' run. I mean, McPherson really is the MVP. As great as Burrow was, greatest chase guy made every kick.
0: Yeah, Money Mac. That's what they call him out there in Cincinnati. Let's take a quick break, though, Michael. On the other side, I want to ask you: Is less more? We discuss it next. All right, Michael, your latest column for VEASAN.com here. Make sure to check that out, folks. Go to VEASAN.com. Michael always posts a column weekly. Really, really good stuff. Get some insights on the NFL. But this one features Nick Sirianni, the Eagles head coach, and the operation that's going down there in Philadelphia. Sirianni has told people, and they've pretty much acted on it, of having less OTA practices to try to get players healthy to training camp and to the regular season. Do you agree with the sort of approach from second-year head coach, Nick Sirianni? Well, I, I think
1: what he's trying to do, and they did it last year at practice. When I went up there to watch the Patriots practice against them, you know, I didn't think they were in great shape. They started 2-5 and five for the season. They had these red days, which were light days. Yellow days were cautionary days. And green days, they went for an hour and a half. They didn't really practice that much. I mean, I mean you could see it in Fletcher Cox. He was never really in great shape all year. And... The, the idea is, if we practice less, we'll keep our team healthy. And it resulted in a, a healthier team this year. But mm-hmm. I, I was, what made me think of this was, I was reading, it's a great uh, email, comes out every Thursday by James Clear, the writer of Atomic Habits. And he said, when determining, when researching strategies, and this is a strategy, right, Femi? Yep. You know, emphasize patterns over stories. One person succeeding means nothing. A hundred mm-hmm. people succeeding is a signal. And what I'm thinking is, is is Sirianni thinking that this one year is is a is one person or is it really working? Like they start two and five. I mean, they didn't beat any good team. Go through their nine wins. Really look at their nine wins. I wrote about the column. They they played Brady twice. Game wasn't close, right? Game wasn't close. The playoff game. It's 31 to nothing before they make a 31-15. Okay, <laughs> they play Mahomes. They play Herbert right? They play Derek Carr, you know, and they play Dak Prescott. In those five games, not counting the playoffs, in those five games, they only allowed the ball to hit the ground. No, excuse me, in the six games, they only allowed the ball to hit the ground defensively 36 times. That That's six incompletions per game. So anytime the level of comp was was risen, they struggled. They were bad in the red zone. They were bad on third down. Now, All those things can get corrected. I like their offseason. However, that being said, if we don't practice, how are we going to get our young players better? Jordan Davis is a very talented player. But he also is a guy who likes to, kind of like me, sit on the couch and do nothing. (laughs) So if you're going to let him sit on the couch and do nothing, is he going to have a weight problem? Is he going to get a heavy? Like, there's a fine line. I think you've got to practice football to be good at football. Football's a contact sport. Right. And I'm not saying you should be in the old 60s and beat the shit out of everybody every day. But I, I think to me, are you cheating your young players by cutting down on the OTA days? Now, I'm a hey, look, a lot of teams give up two OTA days at the end of the year too much, right? Between minicamp and OT. I get it. But I, I think to me, with the shortness of training camp, this is your time to teach. This is your time to teach.
0: Yeah, no, and you mentioned that they played all those good quarterbacks last year. I think you didn't even mention Justin Herbert, who went thirty-two of thirty-eight for three hundred fifty-six uh, yards against that Eagles defense. There are two touchdowns in the I Chargers twenty-seven. Jonathan
1: away. Gannon got a head coaching interview. Like, did anybody watch him in, in, in these five game? In these six games, <laughs> did anybody watch his defense? It was Ben. Don't break. He was really good at not giving up big plays. But the, the percentage of completion against them, I mean, Brady, I think one game only had three incomplete. Uh, uh, the, no, Derek Carr was 32 for 35. Yeah. Like, you know, and so, like, it, to me, my point of the column is yeah, I like the Eagles offseason. I think they've improved. I think Bradbury's a a, a, a zone corner, not a man to man corner. But I'm worried about are they going to be really ready for the fight? They didn't, they look at their schedule after they were, be after they lost to the chart. Who did they play? Who did they beat the whole year? Tell me one good team they beat, Femi. I'll wait.
0: Yeah, you're gonna be waiting a long time because I can't really come up with. One you here. can't. When I'm looking at the schedule, I'm like, it's Denver, New Orleans last year in November. At that point, they weren't very good with, with Trevor it's,
1: Simeon at quarterback,
0: right? Yeah, they played yeah, Trevor, Trevor Sim- Simeon. See,
1: I think this is. I think they're the perfect example of a team. Like as fans, what we have to do is we have to separate the schedule. What quarterbacks are we playing, and who aren't we playing? And then that tells you what you're doing.
0: And, and this is a team that I'm high on heading into 2022. I think that they Me have too. A, a favorable Me schedule. Too. Because this, once again, you can look at the quarterbacks and say, not not very, there's not a whole lot of good ones on this schedule. And maybe they'll lose no to the good ones, but they might still end up there with a 10, 11, 12 win season because they got some favorable looks there.
1: No, no I'm with you. I, I like the schedule. They play the NFC North. They play the AFC South. I mean, for them not to go over nine and a half... It it seems like, but to me, and I wrote this in the column, are they going to be the Utah Jazz? Are they going to be a really good, are they a regular season team or are they a true playoff team? Because we didn't even touch on the major issue we have before is Hurts. Can he throw the ball well enough?
0: And I think the point that you brought up about whether Sirianni is taking this one data point and thinking that this is the signal and maybe not just an aberration of, because sometimes health can be luck. And you might be healthy for a number of different reasons. Maybe it was the limited practice reps to where you kept the bodies fresh. Or maybe you just were random and had everybody healthy all in one season. Now, the one team that has figured it out is the LA Rams. But outside of them, everybody else's, it's fluctuated based on their health from year to year. And the fact that hundreds of other teams continue to go at this thing with taking all the full OTA practices, in my opinion, I would prefer that. I mean, there's a sweet spot in here somewhere of going full junction boys, Bear Bryant status, and then also going like, okay, we're just not going to practice. There's a sweet spot. And you hope that Sirianni can find that sweet spot. But the point that you bring up of the limited reps at practice, that's going to hurt some guys because football is a sport where you have to build up that callus. I mean, I talked to Pritch here at and He always says that guys aren't practicing enough. That's why you see the soft tissue injuries because they haven't built up that callus in training camp. And that's why we see that early on during the regular season. I couldn't
1: agree more. A- and look, if Tom Brady's going to throw, if Tom Brady's taking 200 reps in OTA days, don't you think Jalen Hurts should take 300? <laughs> I mean, seriously, let's put it in perspective in that way. I-, I-, I just think, to me, you're taking the soft. Now, look, analytics are saying less, right? Belichick has the great line: "If you tell me the play the guy's going to get hurt on, I'll pull him out." <laughs> like you can't predict it, right? I mean, how many times have we watched the game? I mean, we saw Danny Green go down with a with a with an ACL and MCL, and you know. Like, did it think that was going to be – like, you don't know. Sometimes these non-contact injuries just occur. I mean, the Rams have been able to do it because veteran quarterback, veteran coach, their sch- everybody kind of knows their scheme. And so they're able to do it and they play. But I- I'm just not sure it's for I- – I'm not saying you got to go back in 1960s and drink water out of a bucket. I'm not trying to be an old school. I- I'm I- – I'm, I'm way different than that, but I do think player development needs to happen with cleats on and on the field. And and you've got to get better because if you, if you're not practicing football, how are you going to get better at football?
0: That's the age old question. I don't think you can get better at football. You can stay healthy. And I think being healthy is important because you want to have your guys on the field. Like if you have a bunch of guys who are counting against the salary cap on IR or not playing, then what good is that for you as well? But Getting your team healthy to the season is important, but you also need to get those reps because like you mentioned, you could start the year off two and five to where you're behind the eight ball. And, and if not for a favorable schedule, we're probably not talking about you in this light that we are here in 2022.
1: Yeah. I mean, would you rather be a healthy six and 11 or an unhealthy <laughs> 11 and six? I mean, you answer that, right?
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll take the 11 and six. <laughs> I'll, <laughs> I'll take that. Yeah. <laughs> fly eagles fly we'll see if they can stay healthy here in 2022 and we'll see if that they can actually be as good as many think that they are with their win total set at nine and a half i like the over michael likes the over we'll see what happens once the ball gets kicked off in september let's take another quick break here michael on the other side we'll clean up any news and notes and also a little sopranos in 60 coming up oh i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal All right, Michael, OTAs is the season of optimism, as we've come to know here in the National Football League. And Chargers wide receiver Keenan Allen told the media this week that he believes that they have an all-pro at every position on the team. Now, the Chargers roster is very talented, but is it the most talented in the NFL?
1: Look, I mean, they do have a lot of good players, with no denying I mean, defensively, they have a, a pro bowler on almost every level, right? So, but can they play well? I mean... Look, last year, they were as bad as you can be defensively. I mean, there's just no I mean, teams could run the football effectively on them. You know, they never could get control of the game. They were never able to, uh, you know, usually they were ranked fourth in the league in the percentage of the time that teams got the ball and scored. That's not good, fam. That's not good. You know, forget the yards allowed rushing. You know, they finished 29th in points allowed. That's the number one stat. And they were the worst team on third down. This is what this is with Nick Bosa. I mean, I mean Joey Bosa. I mean, they're the worst team on third down in football and yet they have all these pro bowlers on every level. I think that's the concern. And if you're Brendan Staley and you're sitting there saying, okay, we got, you know, we're really good. We got Khalil Mack this year. We got, you know, two corners and Samuel. And we've got J.C. Jackson. And now they go with Derwin James. And then we got, you know, Joey Bosa and and all these guys. Yeah, it looks good on paper, but is it going to translate? I don't know. You know, I love the quarterback. There's no denying. I love the quarterback. I think they need a power back, Femi. I really do. I, I love Eckler at 9-2 a carry, 9 to a reception. He's a weapon. To me, Spiller, the fourth-round pick, or I don't know if it's Roundtree or Joshua, but one of those guys have got to come through. And I think they've done a better job of fixing their offensive line, especially, you know, I thought Slater was a great pick for them. You know, they they've got they got to get that right tackle situation handled because, you know, Balaga didn't stay healthy for him, which hurt them last year. So they, they've got to fix it. I mean, Zion Johnson, the kid they drafted for right guard, he can help. I mean, to me, with that quarterback, they can't be out of a game. But until they can control the game defensively, it's hard.
0: Yeah, talent to me, it's one of those things that it can get you in the door, but it's not going to really guarantee you anything once you actually get in. And we saw that with the Chargers last year. They had a talented roster as well, but they came down to week 18 where they lost to the Raiders on the road in overtime in that game that prevented them from going to the playoffs. I think that if they were to not make the playoffs this year, it would be a colossal failure based on the talent that's on this roster um, I think there's any is there as good as any team in their division right now in the AFC West? They, they can easily win that. Not easily, but they can win. They, I can see them winning that division as long as I can see as well as I can see the Chiefs and the Broncos winning that division as well. The Raiders are no pushover themselves either here in Las Vegas. But this Chargers team, I mean, they haven't proven it yet. So I think that's why I'm a little cautious in buying fully in. But I can. A lot of the pieces make sense. The head coach, whatever you think of the fourth down decisions, I think that he has a positive impact on the team just based on a morale situation. They seem to like him. So maybe if some of those fourth down decisions go their way, this could be a 12-13 win caliber team out there in a very difficult AFC because they have the quarterback for sure in Justin Herbert. And if they protect him, it's going to be hard to keep that team out of the end zone.
1: It is, but they got to get better on third down, right? They got the third, the worst for a third down team in football, the 26-6 red zone team. I mean, they had too many high scoring games. I mean, it really put all the pressure on Herbert, you know, and they couldn't control the game. And, you know, they weren't able to to be, you know, and I think it comes back to having a real physical back to complement Eckler. If they lose Eckler, that really hurts their offense. Mm-hmm. Herbert gives them every opportunity to win a game. I mean, you know, that Cincinnati game that that they won, 41-22, that's a close game. Cincinnati is coming back in that game, and I, I think it was, I forget it was Mixon or one of the backs for Cincinnati fumbled and kind of opened that game up. It was a little deceiving, you know, and um, but look, I think to me it's going to come down to are they improved on defense? Can they play good defense? Can J.C. Jackson hold up? Is his knee going to be good enough? You know, is Samuel going to be able to hold up? They're going to have to they'll play some man-to-man. They should on paper, but you know, you and I both know paper and winning are two different things.
0: Yeah, that doesn't mean a whole lot there. It might look good, but it also has to come to fruition on I the mean, field.
1: I mean, Femi, this team lost three of the last four games. They lose to Houston and Houston 40. They gave up 41 points to Houston. That was. Rough. I mean, Houston put 437 yards on them.
0: I mean, that's the game that has everybody optimistic about Davis Mills, <laughs> he goes, he goes should, to show should, you yeah, what exactly. the Chargers' defense was like last year.
1: Um, yeah, no but, doubt, I, you, and I'm not down on them. I, I, I don't, you know, to me, when you have Herbert, you're going to be in every game. Yeah, you know, and the, and I think they do a, you know, they're going to have to be able to control the game a little bit. I think that's going to be the key. You know, they've got to do a better job of you know, of being able to get a power back in there and utilize the skill to slow the game down a little bit.
0: Before we get out of here, Michael, a little Sopranos in 60. Uh, Yeah. Watched a few more episodes last night there, Uh, you know, because things have slowed down on the sports calendar. Watched the match, but after that, I was like, let me turn on a little Sopranos and get caught up here. So next time we do this, we will be done with episode, or series one, I should say, the first season. So uh, I watched episode six, seven, and eight. Uh, Episode six, I thought was, the, the main point from that episode was just tony telling his therapist that he loved her which i yeah. mean think about how professional that is if you're in jennifer's situation and tony it just uh, as an aside i get that he's the main character but he's not super likable as a character at least right now maybe later on down the series but right now i'm like i i, I don't think i like this guy just from the way he, he yo, treats he, he, his wife and what he's doing outside in the, in the therapist's office and all that it's 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 not the most redeeming type of personality.
1: Well, he treats the ducks awful nice. I mean, he loves the ducks. So yeah. that's a good thing. He loves animals. So you'll learn that as we go through this. I mean, that that's the whole complex. That's the whole complexity of the show is the fact that he is a, you know, he is a killer. He is a, you know, a, a guy that is not likable, yet everybody likes him. You know, it's there's that dual side to him, you know, where he is kind of funny and there's moments and this season as it goes on, uh, will get even. You'll like him less, and eventually he turns around. But you know he's a guy that that uh, that is very complex, and and you can see it. And in the, in the complexions, look, I've always said this, and you're going to find this out. The therapy sessions take the show in a direction. Mm-hmm. So for a writer, it's perfect because when you want to alter the direction, you just have a therapy session. Yeah, and yep. then she basically as you'll see this as the years go on, she becomes the Don. She becomes his consigliere. And that really makes the show powerful.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think it's brilliant from, from a, uh, a producing standpoint and the writing and the way that they have the therapist kind of interwoven throughout the storylines. Episode seven was... It was AJ's coming out party. (laughs) I mean, that that was just him and his friends showing up to the gym class drunk off the communion wine or whatever they were sipping on and all that stuff, and then they thought that he he might have an ADD. It sounds like he doesn't have ADD, but uh, AJ.
1: He's a fucking mess. I can tell you this. He is the most unlikable guy you could ever go through. I mean, he gets gets more and more unlikable as the series goes on to the point where I like – I'll fast forward any scene he's in. Like, he's such an ass.
0: <laughs> he, is, uh, he is one of a kind, that kid there. Um, but, I mean, it's gotten to the point where he's starting to sense that his dad is in the mafia, could be a mob. Because, yeah. you know, the FBI is showing up at the house. They're hiding cash and guns. I mean, Tony hides the cash and guns at the retirement home where his mom is. His mom also another character who I do not like oh. as well. Oh. It's another no, unlikable she, she, character. <laughs>
1: she doesn't she doesn't she's not a mom trust me and part of that's the root of the. you know that's how he got the show started because he read about this philadelphia don whose mom was really running the mafia and so that's kind of how he based the whole show but no she's not likable none of them are yeah. they are likable and funny to a degree but they when you dig down i mean where the 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 avenues that they cross and the lines that they cross are very tough to take and but put, it's so good to watch.
0: Still put the cherry on top. Then there's Christopher worrying about why his name is not in the paper when they're talking about all the, oh. the, the mobsters you know, that, and all That, that stuff. scene
1: there when he goes out to the thing, that's like most coaches who are getting credit for their the, yes. the, the contributions to winning. <laughs> like, where's me? How come I didn't get it?
0: Like He reminded me back in the day when I'd have like a track meet in high school. And I'm like, oh, I won the meet. Let me go out and run and get a paper so I can post this on hey. my wall. <laughs> Yeah. I'm like what is this guy doing? <laughs> it's
1: like, it's like yeah, it's like like local TV here in Ocean City. Like you know, like they, they can't wait to get on local TV. Like oh great, that's awesome. Yeah, yep. there you go. I'm I'm on the Fox News program.
0: Oh my gosh! No, it, it's it's really entertaining, and, and despite what I've said about all these people's likability and where they've uh, measure up on the Q rating meter, um, it is really entertaining so I'm Well, do you watch Succession? Do you watch Succession? I've watched two episodes of Succession. Now I put that on hold because I'm gonna get through Sopranos first, and then well, I'm gonna get back you, to Succession.
1: If you think the Sopranos character unlikable, let me say this to you. The the Successions characters are despicable. I mean, there's no one there you like. I mean, they're the most. Oh god, they're horrible.
0: Two episodes so, in, I was like, I was watching with my girlfriend, and she's like, I don't know if I want to watch this show because I hate yeah, everybody. You
1: have to watch it. It's good, <laughs> but, yeah, but you just no. know you you have to. It's really good, but the characters are they're just not likable.
0: No, I, I will definitely get through that by the end of the summer here. Now that we're gonna pick up. Now that we're in the summer months, we're going to pick up more of the TV viewing experience with the sports calendar slowing down. And and what do we have,
1: Stephen, just so we know, June 30th, our our podcast on June 30th, that's 11 weeks out before the start of the season. We will go over the red chips and blue chips by each position, ending with the quarterbacks naturally.
0: Yep. No, that's out. I was just about to mention that. He took it right out of my mouth there. So Blue Chips, Red Chips series, like Michael said, June 30th, it gets underway. Cannot wait for that. And that will certainly spark some great discussion here. But let's get out of here. Thank you to DraftKings. Thank you to VEASAN. Thank you to you, Michael, our producer, Stephen Bond, as always, and we'll talk to you guys soon. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. And we'll see you next week.